the Yo Knots episode 21. The one where we may be small, but we're mighty in spirit. Where's our <laughs> Take two. <laughs> the Yo Knots podcast. <laughs> Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Numa-nauts. Numa-nauts? Yeah, Numa-nauts. Ha-ha! <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> you see what I did there? Yeah, I did, I did, I did. I don't think I want to reveal it until later on in our segment. Awesome. That was smart. smart. Okay, I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theo-nauts. Theo-nauts. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, man. Good. Have you ever had anybody call you Dave? All the time. Oh, yeah? Do you yeah. like that? Yeah, David, Dave, Dave. Davey. King David? I don't care. Davy Crockett. <laughs> Davy Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Or do people call you Jerry? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> or Maya. I like Maya a lot better than Jerry. How about Dr. J? Dr. J is even better. <laughs> or Bro J. What up, Bro J? I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. Not nice. really. <laughs> so how's the week been? It's been good, I guess. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> I'm in an existential funk, to be honest with you. <laughs> Is this our therapy session? What, yes. uh, how much time do so, I have, Doc? <laughs> so tell me, what do you think about that? <laughs> it's tell- all crap. I quit. <laughs> tell me about your mother, um, Jeremiah. She was a sweet woman. Very sweet. She's, she's very loving. And if she's listening, hi, Mom. I love you. Thank you for the shirt. Okay, well, I'll, you don't have any Freudian, 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 whatever. Freudian. Freudian. Freudian wow. issues. Should we just redo everything? I mean, I'm telling you, it's been one of those days. Anyways, how, how'd your week go, David? Oh, it's going pretty good. Good. Um, yeah, I can't really complain so far. Awesome. So, uh, I'm, I'm jazzed about the new iPhone coming out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's this coming. week the reveal. Is it this week or next week? Well, it's, oh, it's the, the reve- ninth. The revealing it, or is it the ninth or the eleventh? It's the eleventh. Okay, so that's next Thursday. Yeah. So next Thursday after the reveal, we should do a little commentary on what we think about it. <laughs> that's a good okay. idea. We can do that. I came up with that on top off the top of my head. Wow, not bad at all. Huh? Yeah, not bad. I actually saw the leak video. <laughs> there was a leaked video on the web, and it looks pretty cool. So. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in it because uh, it ties in with the new OS. Yeah, and uh, some of the cool features I've I've been reading about there. I'm kind of jazzed about that. Plus, I'm due for an upgrade anyway. Yeah. So hey, why not? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, that's pretty much all I got to talk about. <laughs> and now the news. But I do have some pretty cool uh, stories in the news. Uh, I'll start out with a kind of a heady one. We've been talking and I've been watching this whole Mars Hill thing with Mark Driscoll. Oh, yes. Um, there was a leak. Our old buddy. Yeah. There over was, there in the Northwest. 
I found out that he was actually on vacation the whole time everybody was doing this accusation stuff. And um, anyways, the the pastors came together, um, wrote a letter, and it's pretty serious. So he has stepped down, um, and the pastors have called. There's like 18 pastors or something like that at Mars Hill mm. that have called for him to step down. And, but it's an encouraging thing. I, um, I read an article, and they've... Um, there are nine pastors in the uh, um, in the group that is uh, that are overseeing Mark right now, and their goal. Well, I'll just read you. They they have six points in their goal of restoring Mark. Number one, uh, they say we, the elders at Mars Hill Church, love Pastor Mark and truly desire his full restoration into preaching pastor of this church. So they don't want to see him go. They're not trying to kick him out. There's no witch hunt there. Right. Um, number two, whether he <laughs> was planning to step down or not, we direct that he steps down from ministry, submitting himself under the authority of the elders of the church who will oversee the details of his restoration plan. Um, he must step down not only from the pulpit, but from all aspects of ministry and leadership. He will continue to receive his salary as long as he continues to cooperate with the restoration plan set before him by the elders of Mars Hill Church. Mm -hmm. So they're not kicking him out. They're not trying to get rid of him. What they're doing is trying to give, give him time to recoup and give him time to uh, to work with them. And appease the masses. Exactly. That's pretty much <laughs> what it is. And, you know, to be honest with you, uh, there are there's validity to the accusation. Um, so many different accusations brought against him. There's also non-validity. <laughs> there are also people that are just after a witch hunt and want to see him go down. Um, but I'm really, I was really encouraged. Out of all this darkness, I mean, I've been, it's almost been depressing to watch it. Out of all this darkness, now they're starting to, you know, build him up and lift him up as a as a pastor. And so, uh, just a you know an encouragement out there to all you who are church members. To lift up your pastor uh, and remember that he's human. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, as 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 media frenzy as this has been, you know, I'm I'm of two minds about it because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff about Mark that came out about all this. Sure, but the flip side of that is, but everyone was really quick to shoot him down too, oh, yeah. and that's the thing that I think we. I keep coming back to is that we do that far too much from a Christian standpoint. We eat our own and we don't give anybody any grace or, or understanding that, Hey, we're all human. Right. We're all going to mess up right. you know, and that sort of thing. But the flip side of that is if you're trying to, um, to lead a congregation, you also have to have some level of responsibility Right, that you that you hold yourself to exactly. Well, it's laid out in First Timothy. It very much is uh, mm -hmm. the, the the duties of an over, overseer, and uh, you do have to be above reproach in many aspects. And but at the same time, what that makes pastors feel like they have to do is hide their bad side, or you know, right. hide their humanity. Yeah, there's a fine line there because exactly. what does above reproach mean? <laughs> right. Um, I mean, in the context in which that is written, um, I really believe that it's simpler than than this particular application, because this is Paul telling Timothy, "Hey, while you're 
while you're establishing leadership in these congregations, these are the attributes to look for. Yeah. And he gives them this whole list of what we might call requirements or qualifications. Right. But um, in a nutshell, those those requirements really say, make sure he's a good dad. Yeah. And that's kind of really what it says yeah. in a nutshell. A good husband, a good dad. Make sure that he's solid in his faith. He's not. Yeah, make sure that he, that he's that he's someone who could take care of his home. Because if he can take care of his home, right. then I trust him to take care of the a larger church. flock. That's right. And and so um, I think that we can needle those qualifications into the ground. Oh yeah. I mean, because okay, if I'm looking for someone who's beyond reproach or above reproach, basically that means he's got a good reputation. Right. I mean, whenever I go and I'm looking for somebody, does he have a decent reputation? Yeah. You know, and and so it, so yeah. it, does it really get to where? Well, okay. Well, if some accusation happens <laughs> further down the line, you know, when does it start becoming you're no longer above, above reproach? reproach? Yeah. Because you don't want to get into people's minds that you are unable to ever slip up or sin or make right. a mistake. Because right. once we get into that mindset, you're right. We start hiding it. Oh, yeah. And it becomes easier and easier to hide. And, you know, it makes you a horrible Christian, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, and plus, it's horrible for the rest of the Christians oh, yeah. because they are sitting in judgment right. of those above them and not giving them any grace at all. Right. Because it's, oh, well, you can't, you have to be above reproach. Right. Well, who's truly, who really is above reproach? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> there you go. So, so unless it doesn't mean perfect. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Right. So. If it meant perfect, Peter would have been gone a long time ago. Anyway, so uh, enough first of... Pope? Yeah, the first Pope? That's right, the first Pope. <laughs> uh, enough of that, uh, you know, messy stuff. Let's talk about uh, some some science this, this afternoon. Uh, I'm really excited to announce that the world's first message from brain to brain has been successfully transmitted. <laughs> no joke. Says you. <laughs> Says me and a team from Harvard. <laughs> In a world first, a team of researchers has achieved brain-to-brain transmission of information between humans. Transmission? Uh, transmission. Oh. Sorry. Unique, thinking, New that... Unique New York. Unique New York. Transmission. Of information between humans. The team managed to send messages from India to France, a distance of 5,000 miles, without performing evasive surgery on the test <laughs> subjects. No kidding. No kidding. The, uh, there were four participants in the study. So they could do it before with invasive <laughs> surgery. Right. If we cut you open, maybe we'll be able to do this and hardwire your brain. Uh, okay. No, basically what they do is they, they strap you into this brain harness thing that reads your brain patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And it can tell your brain patterns into images. So the person sending the message has to focus on their words in pictorial form. Okay. Okay. And so the computer picks up on that. So it's basically sending brain waves. Yes. From one person, one person to the to other. Well, the computer picks up on it, goes into the computer, and becomes a form of a message. It's sent over the internet to another computer. That's why they're 5,000 miles, whatever. It was the internet. So really, yeah. how far was it? But anyways, uh, the other person in the harness, it sends it to up to his harness. 
and it gives him the electrical pictures, <laughs> and he sees the image. Basically, we're one step away from the Borg mind. I'm telling hive you, hive collector. Oh man, they don't even realize what they're doing. It's a hive mind. <laughs> it's so dangerous. Resistance is futile. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned the Borg because my very next uh, news thing is that NASA scientists have unveiled a warp drive ship. What? Yes. (laughs) Oh, I got your attention now. Yeah. And they're calling it the USS Enterprise. They haven't built it, of course. This is a concept. This is theoretical. Theoretical. Um, But, so I'll I'll read Warp as in beyond the speed of light? Yes. Warp as in traveling (laughs) faster than the speed of light. Um, And I'll read this to you so you can understand it a little better. But uh, among mechanical engineers, NASA's Harold White may have the coolest job on the planet. Uh, as the head of NASA's advanced propulsion team, he is in charge of investigating whether the concept of a Star Trek-like warp drive is possible. If so, the potential of such faster-than-light engines could shorten the time to travel to destinations throughout the galaxy from decades or centuries down to weeks or months. The NASA physicist and mechanical engineer has been working on the uh, plausibility of the concept since 2012, but recently revealed a concept of a warp drive spaceship. In conjunction with artist Mark uh, Raidmaker, White's latest design is based on his calculations of how intergalactic travel might work. And basically what they're working on is this concept of propulsion that it's not so much as a warp drive as is a warp bubble. Yeah. Basically, it puts the ship, there's these big uh, circles, (laughs) and the ship's inside them, basically. It puts the (laughs) ship inside a warp bubble, and what happens is is it contracts the space behind the ship and contorts the space in front of the ship while it's traveling through space, and it makes, it's kind of like wrinkling... So a folding space. Folding space, right, exactly. Right. So this is to travel. wormhole stuff. This is wormhole theory, that's right. See, but we need a whole section on science. Oh, we do. It's science with Jeremiah. <laughs> well, I just think it's awesome because, well, you know, we may be on a spaceship someday, you and I together, going to Mars. Warp well, drive. Well, here's the thing that's funny about... about I mean, you hear these type of news stories every now and then. They yeah. pop up. And, uh, I love them. <laughs> That's why I bring and, them out. And although I think it's 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 fun, yeah, it's like we haven't even been back to the moon <laughs> since 1972. So where's your sense of adventure, David? Oh, I'm I'm all about going. <laughs> what I love is, but I want to see someone do something. <laughs> we're gonna go from barely making it to the moon and back to all of a sudden we're going intergalactic. <laughs> It's like a bunch of guys grew up watching Star Trek. You know what's funny, though? The concept art uh, on, on the side of the spaceship. Guess what the name of the spaceship is? What's that? The USS Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. So anyways, NASA's playing around with the Enterprise right now. Wow. And it looks really cool. You can you can go to Time Magazine's website and pull up the picture of of this uh <laughs> this concept art for uh for the next generation of space time travel. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the uh the uh the owner of Virgin Records is already trying to uh <laughs> think of a way to capitalize on it. You know, he's already capitalized on space travel. Oh have really? You, yeah, have you uh, heard about this? I haven't heard that. <laughs> he has his own rocket now 
and he for a fee he'll shoot you up into space you can orbit and come back down pretty awesome (laughs) i think we ought to look into it all right make it so (laughs) so i have one more uh lesson and it's still science still science but we're gonna go back theme song for this (laughs) i like science science with jeremiah that's pretty good we're going to go back in time this time. Okay. We're not going to go forward in the future. <laughs> we're going to go way back in history. So now we're time traveling? So is there, uh, is there a dinosaur in the Bible? Depends on who you talk to. <laughs> well, I think there is. And his name would be the Behemoth, right? Right. Or the, I'm, Leviathan. Right. I'm there with on those. Yeah. They have uh, just discovered a new dinosaur. Um that size is bigger than any dinosaur they've ever uncovered before. Uh, it's 60,000 kilograms. Okay. That's metric. That's metric. So <laughs> a uh, an African elephant is five kilograms. Okay. Okay. Wow. Or five tons. Yeah. Or something like that. And our, I think it translates roughly to five tons. This thing is like a, a Boeing 737 is 50,000 kilograms. This thing's 60,000 kilograms. Wow. Okay, so it's big. It's... Because it's, Diplodocus, I think, was the the largest up until this Yeah. Time. Diplodocus, you have the uh, Brachiosaurus, the Futalagacaroas, whatever, <laughs> and then you got this thing. Freudian. <laughs> so they... Freudian. <laughs> people are... People want to name it the Leviathan, but the scientist has shows has chosen to name it the Dreadnoticus. Dreadnoticus. <laughs> the Theonauticus. The, that's what we should send in and say. But it's really cool. I mean, this thing is gigantic. It's uh, it's bigger than anything I've ever seen before. And uh, he says, you know, it's almost like the... The guy says it's like the Death Star. Or the, you know, the, the, the biggest... It's just huge. Wow. It, it's big. You gotta check it out. So go online, that's check cool. it out. Yeah. That's pretty much all I got on science and the news today. Awesome. <laughs> well, since the wheels have really come off on this episode, you know, um, all all bets are off. This yeah. episode. We can do whatever we want at this point. Um, I, oh, it, backtracking a little bit. I guess I should have covered this at the first. No problem. I finished. The Neph- I mean the uh, the book Noah Primeval. Noah Primeval. How what were what what was your thoughts on the book? Amazing. And in case you guys are late to the party, you know we interviewed the author Brian Godawa. <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> That's for Brian. No, Godawa. <laughs> Godawa. <laughs> we got his name wrong last time and this time. That's right. So Brian Godawa wrote this book and we did an interview with him. And he actually is doing that whole series, The Chronicles of Nephilim. Yeah. And I'm actually starting the second book uh, now. Awesome. But I got to say, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, if you guys are interested at all in pre-flood uh, fiction this is really cool. This is a, a, a really good job. He would uh, probably disagree with you about Leviathan and Behemoth. Oh, yeah? Just a little bit. <clears throat> right, because he doesn't go in the dinosaur route with those. He goes more myth- mythical. Mythical but, monsters? Right, right. Mm. Uh, cryptozoology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, but, uh, yeah, it was just really cool. It's got a really cool twist in the end. Oh, yeah? Too. I'm not going to tell you because you don't have to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> is Noah a Nephilim? Yeah. <laughs> 
I ain't saying nothing. So well, anyway, I downloaded the book on Kindle today, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. And thanks, Brian, for sending me that. I'll give you. I'll give you a good review once I'm done reading it. But yeah. uh, you know, I'll just have to let the Holy Spirit deal with me when I'm <laughs> writing that book. Okay. Was that a good segue? That was a good segue. So yeah. we're so we're talking about the work Numa. Numa. We're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. That's right. What so, does Numa mean, David? Okay, Numa is a Greek word. Right. And um, that's the word translated spirit most of the time in the New Testament. Right. So of course that's the Numa knots. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, Numa is it simply means a blast of air right or a breath of air right so i think it's really cool that it's tied in that that, that the holy spirit who is what we're going to be talking about in this episode is tied to this term that is really about filling something up with air creating a blast or an effect with air like like wind is pneumatic yeah um you have these pneumatic tools, right? Like an air gun. Right. And you fill those things up with air. It's and, pneuma. And, yeah. Right. And it uses that pneuma right. to do something. And if we were to translate the uh, the Old Testament in Greek, when we went back, when we go back to Genesis, and we read the account of God creating man, it says that he breathed into him the breath of life. Right. That word there would be, Numa translating yeah. Greek, and, and what and happened, that's actually in the you you said if we were to it is translated in Greek in the Septuagint. In the Septuagint. That's right. So um, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting because this this word numa brings about it a sense of life. Mm-hmm. God gives us His life, His essence, His spirit, and so today we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. What is it? What does it do? Does it make us roll around on the floor and bark like dogs? Does it, <laughs> does it make us dance with snakes? Does it make us dance with snakes and not without fear of getting bitten? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to even have the Spirit? And what is the Spirit to begin with? What does it do in our lives? And so that's what we want to cover a little bit. <laughs> now, there's so much to there's cover. There's tons to cover. Yeah. That's why I think we need to focus on just like the working. Right, the of, working of the Holy Spirit. Because we could talk about gifts, we could talk about all kinds oh. of stuff, and people get all mad and start calling us up and hating on us. <laughs> That's right. Because it's a very volatile subject. Yeah. Well, you have you have huge different sides. You have the cessationists that say that, you know, some of those works Done. of the nothing Holy Spirit, happens. nothing nothing like that happens anymore. It died off of the apostles. Then you have the charismatic uh, sect that says, no, we still have that, and it happens all the time. Uh, you can talk talk about tongues. You can talk about all this stuff. But what we want to focus on is who the Holy Spirit is, yeah, and what its purpose was is and was. Right. And so the first thing we need to discuss is the fact that the Holy Spirit is actually an identified person of the Trinity. Right. It is God. Okay. And uh, Francis Chan actually wrote a book. It's really good. <laughs> he wrote a book. <laughs> oh, you have my little button. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Francis Chan actually wrote a book uh, called Forgotten God. It's a really good point he makes. Um, I, also, I heard a pastor say one time that if you want to, let's see, what he said, if you want to hear about God, you go and you listen to a, uh, a Presbyterian theologian. Okay. If you want to hear about <clears throat> Jesus, 
you hear a Baptist, right? But if you want to hear about the Holy Spirit, you hear a Pentecostal. <laughs> Why can't we take all three of those and put them together? <laughs> Why can't we all just get along? Exactly. Man. So um, the Holy Spirit is actually a member, a person of the Trinity. It is, uh, it he. is he. It's a he. That's right. He is no less, no greater than God. And that is exactly what he does. Now, the Holy Spirit um, uh, is is a, a messenger of God the Father. It is also the the active God in our lives today. So, right. now that we've identified <clears throat> who the Holy Spirit is, there are a couple of key verses that we can... Uh, read about the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of them is what Jesus says. Okay. If we turn to John 14. John 14. And go to verse 15. All right. I'll read that in the ESV. Awesome. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Is that all you wanted? No, I want you to read. That was good. I will read. I want you to read all the way. Spoken like it. Never mind. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I want you to read all the way down to verse 18. <laughs> okay. 15 through 18. Yeah. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Right. So he makes a distinction. The first thing he says is, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And actually, if you look back uh, a little bit farther in John 16, he says, it's actually for your benefit that I go away so that I send you the Holy Spirit. Now, yeah, that's, Well, that's always floored me, by the way. Yeah. Because, you know, the thing that... That I've read that verse and it just gets me because I think about what would be the best thing in the world, man. The best thing would be to have Jesus right here, That's like right. walking with me every day, so I could say, "I know that guy isn't right theologically." What do you think, Jesus? <laughs> and have Jesus answer back, "Well, <laughs> or, David, <laughs> you know, I guess I really ought to help this person today, but you know." I don't really want to. <laughs> what do you think, Jesus? Are you sitting there and you're flipping through Netflix and you look over Jesus and he shakes his no, head? No, not that one. And you keep going to the next <laughs> keep one, Keep right? going, keep going. Okay, so so that would be such, from a Christian standpoint, man, that would be the best thing in the world. Absolutely. It would be have Jesus right here next to us. That's right. And but yet Jesus himself says, It is to your advantage right. that I leave you. Right. And so he says he's going to send us this helper when he leaves. And right now... Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, you know the spirit because he dwells with you, but mm -hmm. soon he's going to dwell in you. In you, Okay. Right. What I take that to mean is, <clears throat> is basically this. He's dwelling with them in Jesus mm. right there. Right? Right. The Holy Spirit has been working and the disciples have been watching it for Jesus's entire ministry. Okay. Gotcha. And... After Jesus leaves, that same Holy Spirit that's been working in Jesus is going to begin working in his disciples. Right. Beautiful picture. Wow. Um, and if you go a, a bit further, he says um, this is a counselor or a helper. He's going to be with you. He's going to remain with you. And then if you look in verse 25, 
What does it, it say there? It says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, so we get the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the Helper and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's going to teach us and to remind us of Jesus. Mm. Okay? Yeah. So I didn't really ever connect this until I was sitting in a um, a sermon uh, with a pastor by the name of J.R. Vassar. And he stood up there, and this is what he said. We don't realize that the same power that Jesus held on earth is the exact same power that dwells in us. If we realize that, we would have a revolutionary life. Wow. Because you got to understand this. Everything that Jesus did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this didn't demean Jesus' character as God in any way. In fact, Jesus was God in the flesh. He was fully God and fully man. But yeah, but think about it. The spirit is God too. Exactly. He is God too. So that that can't take away from Jesus. Uh-uh. In fact, a lot of people will say, well, like we talked about before whenever all these councils were happening years and years and years ago and everyone's right. arguing about the nature of Jesus. Was he God? Was he man? Was he God? Was he man? They're leaving out the Holy Spirit, not even considering the fact that he's blending the It's almost like he's a forgotten god. Exactly. He's <laughs> blending the two in one. Exactly. So. And that's who Jesus was on earth. Basically, the Bible says, uh, through Paul, the Bible says that God stripped off, or Jesus stripped off his godhood mm-hmm. when he came to earth to be born of a virgin, born under the law. And uh, so everything that Jesus did, every miraculous work that Jesus ever accomplished, was simply done through the power of the Holy Spirit in dwelling. Jesus. And I'll, I I have a list by well, R.A. Tory. Let, yeah, let's hit some of those verses that talk about that. Sure. Um, Jesus Christ, to begin with, Jesus had to be born through the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay. We have Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Luke 1 and 35. It says, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come unto you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So it's a work of the Holy Spirit right. that birthed Jesus in the first place. God the Father using the Holy Spirit to birth Jesus. Um, let's go down a little bit to uh, where Jesus is um, uh, where Jesus is baptized. Okay. Is that in the same chapter there? Um, it's not, and I I didn't write this down, so you're gonna have to pull it up. Let's okay, well I'll go to Matthew four. Yeah, that, or is that where it is? Matthew, yeah, Matthew four would be perfect. Or is it three? It's three, right? Yes. I'm, I don't know the, the baptism of Jesus. There you go. Matthew three, verse thirteen. Right. Go ahead. Okay, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him, and John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, this is a picture of Jesus's, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Okay, And the Spirit comes and indwells him at baptism. By the way, this is what is supposed to happen in our Christian lives. Right. Whenever we receive Christ, we're buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a newness of life, and the Holy Spirit comes upon us, Amen. guiding us into all righteousness. This is the exact picture of, of Jesus here. <laughs> go, go figure. That's right. Amazing. <laughs> right. So what happens right after that in chapter 4, verse 1? Temptation. Temptation. But what does it say in that, that first verse? It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So who's leading Jesus at this point? Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading Jesus. Numa. That's right. So God is telling Jesus where to go and what to do at this point. Right. He's in control of Christ's life. Well, and you know, this is there's some debatable stuff here. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's funny it's fun to to think about this. A lot of people wonder why we don't have much of Jesus's life up to this point. I mean, we've got, he's 30 years old here. Right. So, you know, you've got like 20 something years or 15 to 20 years where we don't really hear anything about him. So it's like what was going on that time and, and all this sort of thing. And uh, it's interesting to think of it in terms of that Jesus was being fully man up until the point that this occurred. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, and that's a, that's a, that's a train of thought. And I'm not sure of course it's how debatable much... because once again, exactly. How's a 20 year old dealing with those lust issues without God? <laughs> that's right. Helping. But you also, but have... I'm not going to touch that, that's but, I'm right. just, but I'm just saying yeah. it's kind of cool that we don't hear anything from him until exactly. the spirit comes into play. Right. And you, you can, you can look at that and you can remember, well, he was begot by the spirit. He didn't have the sin. He is half. That's right. Human and not, not, not fully. So. Exactly. Well, fully God, fully, fully God, man. fully man. I don't know. <laughs> now we're starting to sound yeah. like those guys. From, yeah. Anyways. We need a 19 council. That's right. But the point of this is he's being, at this point, we obviously see he's being led by the Spirit. The Spirit has fallen upon him. He's being led by the Spirit. Right. And he begins his public ministry through the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about... Uh, uh, let's see, where was I at? Um, Jesus performing his miracles. Okay. Go to Matthew twelve twenty eight. Matthew 12 and 28. It says, but, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay, so who is he casting out demons by? By the Spirit. By the Spirit. God is, or Jesus is doing miracles through the Holy Spirit's work right. in his life. It's so, I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit has a very essential part to play in the life of Jesus. Okay, right. Not only that, but Jesus is actually led, uh, Jesus Christ led a holy and spotless life and offered himself without spot to God through the work of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Okay. Hebrews 9 and 14. Yeah. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit 
offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay. So it's through the Holy Spirit's work that Jesus even was uh, offered as a sin offering right. to God the right. Father. The Holy Spirit actually offered him up. So uh, that's an amazing thing. And then <clears throat> after the sacrifice, the Holy Spirit also resurrected Christ. It was through the Holy Spirit that Jesus raised from the dead. Um, and you can look at, let's see, uh, Romans 8, verse 11. Okay. This is Paul. It says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through this, his Spirit who dwells in you. Right. So it was through the Holy Spirit that Christ was raised from the dead. And not only that, it's through the Holy Spirit that we are raised from the dead. Right. There's a mirror image exactly. going on here between how Jesus uh, led his life through the Spirit and how we should live our lives through the Spirit. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you were talking about these things, these miraculous things that Jesus did. And I think that the focus too many times when we talk about the Spirit has been on gifts, which I'm not going to say really anything bad or <laughs> positive about that. But the, but the, the thing is what we should be focused on right. is what the Spirit can lead us to do if we're walking in it. Absolutely. So, like, for example, um, the, 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 the question there would be, okay, if Jesus could do these great things, why can't we? Right. And I think that what we've done is we've suppressed, we've quenched the Spirit. And, uh, you know, I was talking about the pneumatic tools earlier. Right. There's a, a, an analogy there. What does it, if I picked up an air gun, that's not hooked up to a compressor. Right. What good is it? Right. None. Right. It doesn't do anything. It won't fire a nail into anything if I don't hook up the compressor and fill it full of air. Amen. That's now good. there's now there's air in the compressor before I turn it on. Yeah. But there's no pressure. Right. So the spirit is there, but there's no pressure. Right. You're not you're not it, it gets me whenever you start reading through Acts and then it says things like and then Paul, being filled with the Spirit, yeah. does blah, 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 blah. Now, Paul already had the Spirit right? because he, he got it at conversion. right? So what's he talking about here? Is, this, is he getting the Spirit again? <laughs> no, he's already had the Spirit there, but all of a sudden, the amount of pressure that the Spirit is, in, is being utilized is building up in you, just like if you turn on the air compressor and those PSIs start you know, getting up there to the 100, right. 100 pounds per square inch. Well, now you can push a nail through a, a piece of wood, whereas you couldn't before. Right. And and so when you read through Acts, you don't get, you know, Paul did this, Peter did that. You get through the Spirit, right. then being led by the Spirit, then being full but filled with the Spirit. They did this. And there's one point, I believe, in Acts 4 where they're praying. And it says, and then they were filled with the Spirit and the whole room shook. Yeah. Because of it, that's right. So this is this is, uh, I think one of the things that we don't think about when we think about the spirit is, you know, we're too busy focusing on can I lay my hands on somebody and actually heal them that we're not thinking about, oh, you mean, I, I could actually speak words I wouldn't be able to think of before, 
<laughs> or I'd be able to, you know, simpler things. Right. That, uh, I mean, I know that there's been times in my life where I've been asked to present something or whatever, and I'm standing before people and I've, you know, prayed, just, you know, fill me with the spirit. And I get up there and the things come out of my mouth. I'm like, really? I said that? Right. Really? That, that could not have come from my idiotic mind. Right. <laughs> And I believe it's that pneumatic experience. Exactly. It's the pneuma being built up in us. And I think what you're talking about, I mean, it's evident. Of course, we can't talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about what happened like at, at Pentecost, for example. Right. Right. The Holy Spirit falls upon them like tongues of fire and then begin to utter uh, different languages. Right. The word is they, they translated tongues, languages. And uh, um, this, this wasn't unintelligible speak. These were different languages. Right. And there was a reason behind it. And we always got to look at the purpose, okay? Right, um, right. So it's not just about the gift. It's about the purpose behind the it's gift. It's about getting a job done. Exactly. There's a reason for what the Holy Spirit does in us, okay? There, there's two main reasons um, that we can see in Scripture. The first one is to conform us into the likeness of Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what the Holy Spirit's uh, main purpose is in our lives, is to conform us into being Christ-like. But the second reason is an offshoot of the first, so that other people may know mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Right. Those are the two purposes of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit will work through us, to accomplish those purposes. So why, the question is, why did these uh, people start speaking in different languages? Was it just to show off? Well, no, it was because on Pentecost, people were coming from all over the known world. Exactly. And we're all there speaking different languages. Right. And so what was happening was the Holy Spirit was getting his job done. Right, right, right. Which was to tell the people about Jesus. And what happens right after that is Peter becomes bold and filled with the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and stands up and proclaim Christ, whom you crucified, <laughs> right? We declare to you today. Right. So it's this beautiful picture. Now, um, and you, you also get a sense of that whenever you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul is talking to those idiotic Corinthians, I don't ever think they get it right. Um, well, you know, they were obsessed with the, the gifts. Yes. They, but they were weren't so... thinking about the purpose. That's right. They were so focused about, about the gifts that they forgot the reason behind the gifts. It's almost, you know, becoming so infatuated with, uh, I, I don't know, the basketball that you forget that the, there's a game going on. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm holding the ball. Exactly. And I'm, I'm going to love on it. Yeah. And I'm going to rub it. Right. It's like everyone's staring at you. Come on, guy. We're playing a game. <laughs> or buying, you know, I see guys who, you know, go and buy $2,000, $3,000 guitars, and they can't play four chords. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, why are you doing that? Well, it's a guitar. I mean, look at the guitar. It's so pretty. Beautiful. It's BRS. Exactly. But yeah. they don't know how to play it. It's, it's almost... Like that, becoming enthralled with the thing rather than with the, the instrument exactly. instead of the music. Exactly. Yeah. And so we need to be careful about that. But Paul goes into greater detail in First Corinthians, um, and I mean in chapter twelve of First Corinthians, it's pretty evident um, that he talks about the reason behind them being to unite us in Christ. 
Right. Right. Go figure. Unity, <laughs> which has been... So it's a theme that I goes think, on through this New Testament. That's now. right. It's, it's Jesus' swan right. song, Unity. Um, but unity through diversity and spiritual gifts, and each one for a purpose to bring... Yeah, like in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of sm- smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Right. So, um, and he uses these gifts of the spirit in each person to do different things, to work together to build up the body. Exactly. And the whole purpose is, number one, to conform us into the likeness of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the second reason, to tell other people about him. And so we, we have that. Um, I love Galatians chapter five, and we would be remiss uh, not to talk about the fruit. not to talk about the fruit of the spirit. Galatians is an awesome book. It's my favorite book in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't know. Did not know <laughs> Galatians is all about the law versus grace, basically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the law being a tutor unto grace, and Paul um, is. It's almost like he's railing. I mean, he... Well, he is railing because he's really upset with them. Exactly. For replacing Jesus' sacrifice with mere physical practices. Right, right. And and that's what, you know, a lot of people will say, well, he's only talking about the old law. Well, no, because he's contrasting the practices against faith. He's not contrasting... One practice for another practice. He's contrasting yeah. contrasting the law, the practice of law, with faith right. in, in this grace. And so, uh, one of the things that I think that we're that we sometimes are missing out on is what he's trying to get across in that whole big picture about it's not about the works of our hands. That justifies justification being the big kicker. Right. So if you ever want to ask yourself a question of, well, am I being legalistic? The the answer to that is, well, am I thinking that what I'm doing is going to make me right in the eyes of God? Exactly. So uh, you can, and people might argue, well, it's not a salvation issue, but I still think it makes me right in the eyes of God. Well, same difference. Exactly. So so if you're thinking that something you're doing is going to make you right, right. in the eyes of God. That's justification. Exactly. And all you have to do is remember what Paul says about our righteousness. <laughs> right? right? Right. It's just filthy rags, and that's <laughs> right. being mild. Yeah. And so we have to remember that, you know, the law was a tutor under grace. In other words, right. it was there to show us that we can't do it. And right. that's where Jesus' grace comes in. Uh, God's grace through the sacrifice of his son, through the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. And where the Spirit comes in here is in this aspect of getting away from an idea of cheap grace. And I love the way that, that Paul does this type of thing. Yeah. It's like he'll present that salvation. Justification happens by a gift and not by your accomplishments. Right. But then he turns around and says, but <laughs> when you do, when, when you are changed that way, when you are justified, when, when God you, changes you, you are regenerated then it changes your desires, your will, and what you're wanting to do. So therefore, you would no longer be 
be a servant to sin. So he does that in Romans. Oh yeah. He does it, you know, all over the place uh, to combat the idea of a cheap grace, which says, okay, so now that I've been given this salvation, I can do anything. I can do whatever I want. And that's, the question, you that's know, a the completely answers. unconverted heart right. that would say that. So, right. so uh, I think he's doing the same thing here in chapter uh, six, right. uh, five of Galatians. He's been through this whole idea about law and, Spirit right. and grace, and now he starts to contrast. Well, if you're going to be a, if you're going to be holding to the physical nature of things, it's going to lead you into the into the sins of the flesh, right? Instead of the fruit of, of the spirit. spirit. That's right. And this is where he says, then in verse sixteen. Okay. Um, and I'll I'll read this one. And I'm reading out of the Holman. It says, "I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh." For the flesh desires what it what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Underline that in your Bible if yeah, you, you have your Bible. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling them out there, you need to, hey, microphone people, you need to under, underline that. That's good. New but it, Exactly. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law anymore. Ten Commandments. Yeah, they're gone. Exactly. And you might say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I still can't kill people. <laughs> but you're missing the point. Exactly. Romans uh, 13 tells us there that love fulfills the law right. and love is the result of this changed heart and everything. I will take out their heart of stone, of stone and give you a heart, heart of flesh. flesh. That's yeah. Ezekiel 26. Right. So what that's that change, that change causes you to fulfill right. all the law because you love people. Right. You no longer under a rule not to kill people. Yeah. You are now under a loving, uh, practice a, a walk of love a walk right. of the spirit that prevents you from ever even wanting to hate exactly. somebody much less kill them right the spirit is going to start telling you to love god and love others that's why he says if you love me you, you will, will keep my commandments exactly. it's not saying keep my commandments and it'll prove to me you love me <laughs> it's the other way around right when the love takes over your life the commandments start happening right to you now let's keep on going here it says the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, anything similar, about which I tell you in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law now those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit we must also follow the spirit we must not become conceited provoking one another envying one another right so it's basically like this you surrender to jesus he takes out your heart of stone. He gives you heart of flesh. He gives you the Holy Spirit with all of its power and authority to lead you into righteousness. In other right. words, you become a follower of Christ. Oh, yeah, isn't that what he said? Yeah. Follow me, right? Right. And 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 so the thing that that we can't get hung up on here is the language 
and let it be this. We can't beat up the language here like where it says, it gives us this whole list of things here. And it says those that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you might think, oh, wait a minute, I've done some of that since I've been a Christian or whatever. But what we're missing out on is he's talking about in practice. So for example, if I am a changed person, I'm no longer an envious person. Doesn't mean I won't ever have one moment of envy in my life. It means I won't be given to this. This is not what I am anymore. I am now walking after the Spirit. Right. And so it's about direction. Right. I, one of my favorite comparisons, there's a guy that wrote the, a book called The Naked Gospel, a really good book, about this, the law versus grace. And he, he compares it to a basketball player. A kid learning to play basketball for the first time. Okay. And what's what's unique is He's petting the ball. Yeah, petting the <laughs> ball. Who's this my ball? No. What what's unique is that basketball player gets out on the court at the first game. And what does he do? He freezes. He's afraid to do anything. Why? Because he's afraid to break the law. So he figures <laughs> what I'll do right. is I'll just stand here with the ball. I won't I won't dribble it because I might double dribble. I won't you know, I won't pass it because I'm, I might end up fouling somebody. I won't throw it because I might end up knocking it out of bounds or missing a shot or doing whatever. And my coach will be happy with me if I just stand here holding the ball. That's what the law does, mm-hmm. right? It confines us to I can't <clears throat> do anything. I'm so worried about breaking the law. Right. But a good player who starts learning to walk by the Spirit, what does he do? He starts listening to his coach. And he starts doing what the coach tells him to do. Coach tells me to dribble the ball down, to pass it to him, pass it to her. Mm -hmm. I'm listening to my coach. I know what my coach is telling me to do. Yeah, am I going to mess up? Sure, I'm going to mess up. Someone's going to call a foul. Exactly. It's going to happen. You're going to slip up. But the the mark of a true follower of Christ is somebody who's being led, or the mark of a true good basketball player is somebody who's being led by his (laughs) coach. Right. And that's that's the picture of somebody who's being led by the spirit versus the law. And so many times we want to go, listen, I don't I don't want anybody to tell me uh, or I don't want to be led by the spirit. I just just give me a law. Write it down. I want no (laughs) tattoos. Drinking is bad. But these movies are all right. These movies are bad. I can't do this, but I can do this. Just give me a, a list. Yeah. All I want is well, a the, list. Well, the problem is if you have a list, you're, you're still going to mess it up. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and you can't make the list completely comprehensive. Right. The, the, the list is going to be so big, you will not be able to even enumerate it, much less right. do everything on it. Right. So that's, that's why, okay, when he's getting on to these Galatians about this. It keeps coming back to this whole idea of walking after the Spirit. Uh, I love it in chapter 3. He says here in the first verse, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Hmm. So he's he's, he's saying here, look, guys, you're hung up on flesh. Yeah. The obedience of 
in their case, circumcision. But it could be anything that you're hung up on right. that you're trying to be right with God about. Right. And and it says here that are you going to let you're going to be changed from the inside out by a spirit? Right. And are you now going to toss that aside and focus on the flesh? Right. It's it's it, he calls them foolish for doing this. Yeah. Later on, he tells them they have fallen from grace yeah. when they're doing this. They've tossed it away. Right. It doesn't mean, you know, we we talked about falling from grace earlier. It doesn't uh, you know, on a previous episode. It doesn't mean you've made a mistake and have fallen out of God's good graces, so to speak. What it means is you have fallen from a situation where you're leaning on grace and you're now leaning on your flesh. Yeah. And you're hoping that your flesh will get you justification. Right. Instead of Jesus. Exactly. So we need to understand that the work, again, of the Spirit, number one, of course, is is to conform us into the likeness of Christ. And that's what he's saying here in Galatians. When we walk by the Spirit, we're being conformed in the likeness of Christ. And um, by the way, the Spirit uses Scripture. Yes. If you're not... If you're not studying the word, if you're not faithfully saying the word, if I'm not faithfully saying the word, we we almost make the spirit mute in our lives, <laughs> right? Um, because the spirit speaks. Remember what it says. The spirit will remind you in uh, chapter fourteen, verse twenty-five of John. The spirit will remind you into everything I've said, right? Right. So and it will teach you in all righteousness. So we are reminded of what Jesus says, or the gospel. We're reminded of what Scripture says, and that's what the Spirit does. It uses the Scripture, and then we walk in that newness of life. And sometimes we screw up, but that's okay. The Spirit is conforming us in the righteousness yeah. of God, and then it's also telling other people about Jesus through it's, our lives. It's about direction. Yes, it's about it's about walking with Him. Yeah. Instead of you know following him, instead of trying to do it on our own, yeah. And the spirit is there to be a helper and a comforter. Yeah. And you know Romans eight talks about um, walking after the spirit. It talks about this a lot and oh, compares yeah. it to walking after the flesh and being carnally minded versus being spiritually minded. And uh, you know, whenever uh, Paul is, is writing there to the Romans in, in chapter 8, verse 3, he says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. <laughs> Amen. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. So, so he did this for us so that we could walk in freedom right. from law right. and given over to love. Amen. That's the truth. And I'll tell you, uh, it, it's a freeing feeling when you realize that, you know, it's not about obeying a list. It's about following uh, a, a Savior. Well, just you walk outside on a fresh spring day, you go running up that hill or whatever, yeah. you know, the sound of music, you know, <laughs> the hills are alive, right? Run! <laughs> anyway, you're coming running down the hill and the wind is just blowing and all this. And, and how freeing is that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like you're part 
of God's creation. You are anyway, but you feel like it. Yeah. You feel like you can do anything. Yeah. And this is what happens should be like all the time because that pneuma, that same wind, that same breath of God is still is blowing right through us right and in our hearts. And so we should be excited and, 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 uh, so is overjoyed God, with that's right. So is God a breath of fresh air in your life? And are you a fresh of breath of fresh air in other people's lives? That's right. <laughs> because once again, you know, you can let the air come in and get stale yeah. or you can let it blow through you that's right. and onto others. Amen. And I think that's what we're called to do. That's right. So, well, that sounds like a good study, man. Either that or we're just full of hot air. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so guys, we need feedback. Yeah, we do. Definitely. Um, yeah, uh, we have been kind of dry on, on feedback lately, so <laughs> let us know how we're doing. Uh, email us at theonauts at the GCT or at gctnetwork.com. That's right. Um, give us some voicemail. You can call us. Tell us what you think, and yeah. we're more than willing to listen to any of that. And address your concerns or anything That's right. that you have. Uh, you can call us at 972-885-7270. And you can also um, tweet us on Twitter at Theonautical or on Facebook at, um, well, it's Facebook slash Theonauts. So, yeah, there's many ways to get a hold of us. And... Tell your friends about us. Go out there. uh, Listen to us. Most people are listening on uh, iTunes. So go out there and give us some stars. Rate us. Let us know if we're horrible or good or whatever. Give us some comments because that type of thing will help other people find us and listen to us as well. Same thing with Stitcher. If you're listening through an Android device and are listening on Stitcher, you can... um, or Apple, you can listen to Stitcher right. on Apple too. <laughs> I guess because you can't get iTunes on on Android, but that's right. <laughs> but uh, get the new iPhone and <laughs> <laughs> boy, Apple should be sending you a check any day now. I'm telling yeah, you, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, talk to us and 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 let us know what you think. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it's great to be here, Jeremiah. Thanks a lot. Thank you, David. We'll talk to you next time. Have a great one. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com.